This is the Best Friends Podcast, dedicated to sharing the people and programs that are ending the killing of cats and dogs in America's animal shelters. You'll hear from animal welfare leaders from across the movement who will share the innovative and collaborative work that are creating life-saving successes in communities of all sizes. It is July 2nd. I'm John Dunn. Thank you for listening to the Best Friends Podcast and happy Independence Day. Now, of course, not the most favorite holiday for us pet owners because of fireworks, but you might have tomorrow off, so I don't know, that's cool. Now, today, we thought it might be fun to talk about stories, the art of storytelling, how you can create compelling online content in a time where you have to create good content. It's how you bring your community into the work you're doing. It connects them to it. But the competition for eyeballs and clicks is more fierce than it's ever been. Seriously, Facebook, 4,000 photos are uploaded to Facebook every second. 4,000. The average user does spend 38 minutes a day on Facebook, which kind of sounds like a lot. Certainly your boss thinks it's a lot. But the amount of content, it's so much that it's more important than ever to create good content. You have to cut through the clutter. And we all have good stories. Every day we encounter pets who are individuals with stories to tell, where they came from, what happened to them while they were in our care, and where they went. It might be a first-time foster parent who helped change a life of an animal, and they themselves were changed in the process, or even just a unique adoption story. I would adopt Rexy like a hundred times over. We were meant to be together. Now this story, told through video, is one of my favorites ever, and it's from just a couple of months ago. As soon as I saw the video of Rexy on the Best Friends Instagram, it, it was just... I was immediately drawn to him. That's Rexy Roo's new mom, and Rexy Roo's story is very special. One of our shelter partners a few hours away had put a plea on Facebook about a cat that they had recently received that was pretty severely injured and needed urgent attention. The Best Friends team responded and found a cat who needed a lot of help and sadly had to have both front legs amputated. For being a double amputee, Rexy actually healed really quickly. Just the time spent with him, it was really amazing to see his spirit and his personality really shine. Now, this video, it's two minutes. That's it, but it's so powerful. And seeing Rexy Roo's transition, I mean, is someone cutting onions in here? He's so brave and when he wants something he just goes for it which i think is really amazing we'll have all of the videos and stories everything we talk about in today's episode up on the podcast website bestfriends.org podcast trust me you're going to want to see the rexy rue video for yourself but it's just impossible not to fall in love with him he had my heart immediately getting the attention of your community online doesn't always have to be a linear story like Rexy Rue. Sometimes it's the fun stuff that engages people and can then lead them to the rest. A video of dogs and cats catching treats in slow motion set to a barking version of the Game of Thrones theme, or as we called it, the Game of Dog Bones. Dinner time. Is that salmon? <laughs> Don't mind if I do. And videos are just one way we can tell stories but they're a very fun way. And later in the episode, we'll go through some of the greatest hits in Best Friends video history with someone who asks herself several times a day, could I do that but with kittens? Get it everywhere. What can I say? Okay, so how do we tell better stories? Not just videos of hungry kittens, but the written word, online and off. Elizabeth Doyle. She's the senior writing mentor and style editor at Best Friends. She's worked at Best Friends for a while, and when it comes to telling the stories of animals, 
She's one of the best around. If you've read an adoption bio of best friends that melted your heart or a story that made you a blubbering mess on your lunch break, there's a decent chance that Elizabeth was involved. It's the art of storytelling and, and understanding that one episode of the podcast, we are not going to be able to give everybody the, the ability to be you. I want to know from Elizabeth Doyle, the art of storytelling. Well, you're very kind. I would say that one of the most important things, if you're writing for a nonprofit, if you're writing for animal welfare, is to get in the habit of taking the focus off yourself and what you want to write and becoming aware of how every single word you put down is affecting the invisible person on the other side of that keyboard, the reader. We all develop bad habits of caring an awful lot about how we sound when we write. We can pick up bad habits different places. In academia, for example, if you went to college, you'll know that sometimes you get a little bit rewarded for um, extreme complexity in your papers. Sometimes that actually gets rewarded with a higher grade. Sometimes in the corporate world, you can get rewarded for complexity <laughs> in, in the way that you communicate. But when we are trying to move people, when we're trying to get them to make a donation, when we're trying to get them to adopt, we're trying to make them feel something. And so what we have to be aware of is not ourselves and how is this making me sound? How um, uh, am I communicating everything that I planned to communicate in my outline, which is very you know, focused on your own little bubble and get focused on how did that sentence make them feel? How did that sentence make them feel? Ooh, no, if I wanna move the feeling a little bit, if I wanna move them from, for a moment they were feeling a little bit of sympathy for the animal and now I wanna make them feel some joy. How about that sentence, did that, did that feel it? If I'm imagining being the other person the whole time I write, instead of being myself, I'm the reader the whole time I write, then you know how what you wrote is gonna affect people because you were there you were the other person while you were writing. And so you were there. And I think that when you can learn that, you will be astounded by the response, the response rate you get from what you write, because you knew they were going to respond because you were feeling it the whole time too. And also you've got to love to write. You've got to love what you're doing because if you're bored, the reader's bored. That is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. If this was tedious for you to churn out, it's going to be tedious to read. <laughs> it's funny that you said the invisible person. Once upon a time, I was a radio news journalist. I have a face for podcasts and radio. The best advice I got right when I started was don't think about the thousands of people that are going to be listening to this. Think of the one person. Maybe it's the soccer mom driving down the freeway or, you know, the, the guy at work on his lunch or whatever it is. Think about that one person because you are telling that story again, not to masses, you are, but just think about that one person. So it's funny that you said that, that apparently transcends mediums. That was great advice somebody gave you. I'm going to think about that. That's very good. It probably helps you with stage fright too, I'm guessing. <laughs> Could you imagine uh, that? I do not have stage fright, Elizabeth. I don't know. All if... right. Well, maybe somebody else who has stage fright that could help them. <laughs> when you say love to write, I think the identification of stories, it's easy to say that every animal has a story and they do. I said this to start the podcast, whether it's how they came to us, what happened to them in our care, or where they go. How do I identify these stories, particularly for animals that maybe 
I don't know a lot about. All right. You're talking about writing an adoption bio in particular? Either way. I mean, you know, you've got this animal that is just a great pet, but you know, you just don't have a lot, like whatever that may be. Okay. So listen, so I've written tens of thousands of adoption bios. Um, I was writing them in the 1990s for Austin Pets Alive. I've written tens of thousands. I've never written the same adoption bio twice. And people have asked, how do you not write the same one twice? And I said, well, I've never met the same animal twice. I've never been asked to write about the same animal twice. Um, If I had to write about the same animal, uh, I would run out. But each one is a different different person. And so as as many souls as there are out there (laughs) is is how many uh, pieces can be written about them. And it really helps when you can go meet the animal in person. That really helps. If I can meet you, I can see who you are. Okay. And in an adoption bio, you always want to talk about who the animal is, not what they are. Nobody's going to fall in love with a what. Nobody's going to fall in love with, this is when he last got his shots done. This is my guess about his breed mix. This is his age. This is the condition of his hips. Okay. That's all useful information. Nobody will fall in love. Okay. And I know a thing or two about love too, John. (laughs) <laughs> I wrote a few romance novels in my time. So can we give some away for free? They're worth John. They're worth free. No. <laughs> so so um so so yeah, you always want to grab them with who is the animal, not what is the animal. Okay. So it's ideal if you can meet that animal, because then you see who they are. And you always open in that first sentence with something about who they are, something that's gonna make me fall in love. Now, let's say I don't get to meet the animal. Let's say I have been asked as a volunteer, can you write a bunch of adoption bios um, of these animals you've never met before? Here's their photo and here's a bunch of facts. All right, use that photo, first of all. Use that photo because you're going to see that animal's soul in the eyes. And if you have to sort of, if you have to use your writerly uh, you know, empathy, get in there, use your imagination who am I looking at? Who are you? Who are you? And then make sure it kind of matches what the notes say. You know, if it's what the notes say, who are you? And then say something powerful that matches the expression on that animal's face. And somebody's going to feel a connection. Somebody's going to connection. So I really recommend doing that. Now, if you're writing something different, let's say you're writing. Well, hang on a sec on the adoption bio. Give me an example. Give me an example of, of how that might sound a powerful statement uh, about. about Yeah, sure. Sure. So um, you might have, let's say, um, let's say you have um, a picture of a dog who looks really proud, like a little soldier, like a dog who looks kind of like, you know, like standing at attention. And, and I look and I say, wow, who are you? What's going on? And I might write something like, Sherman will be anything you ask him to be, except homeless. Okay, or something like this, right? Or let's say I see um, a cat who just has this deep look in his eyes. Like, you know how sometimes cats, you can tell they really know you. Like you'll wake up and they're looking right at you eye to eye. And you're like, you really know me, don't you? Like they can see more than they should be able to see. So if you're seeing that in the cat's eyes and you see he's got a a soft look about him, you might say, tiger loves you already and he hasn't even met you yet. (laughs) So you see what I'm saying? So you can 
there's something about that animal's soul. I do, yeah. And, you know, I don't think these types of things are intentional, but every now and again, I will see an adoption bio and it will say, uh, it will be it, not he or she. Oh, yeah, don't do that. You know? But you know what I mean? And I don't think that's uh, intentional to, to you know, nobody's seeing the value less than, but it takes away that warmth. But those are the kind of things I think maybe people don't realize that they're doing that they make a big difference. Yeah, there are lots of little things. There are lots of little things. Do remember that those facts, that age, rank, and serial number, sir, are not inspiring love. They might be important to put in there somewhere, but they, they're not what's going to make somebody fall in love. So the animals in our care, you know, we may know some of that history, and the history, Elizabeth, might be downright horrific. The balance of good and bad, you know, these stories, we have to tell them. I think this is an area that best friends, you, it, very good at is hitting that balance. The success, that's the greatest part. But to fully tell the story and to explain the, the sort of scale of success, if you will, is to have to tell how, how we got here. And I'll give you an example. Rexy Root, so that I played that video to start the episode. That's a horrific beginning. A cat, both front legs, double amputee. How do I strike the balance with a story like that? Oh, there's nothing wrong with a dramatic story. That just makes the ending happier. That's a good, that's exciting. If you've got an exciting story where it, where you're on the edge, oh no, everything's going wrong. And then oh, it's all going right. That's that's actually gold is what that is. <laughs> and and um, so there are two sides to reality in life, but let's say in animal welfare. One is that a lot of bad things are happening to animals. The other is that a lot of people are working really hard to save them. Both of those are equally real. Now, a pessimist <laughs> says that reality is always just the bad one for some reason, <laughs> okay? And that, that anytime you, you put a spotlight on the good stuff happening, you're having a Pollyanna complex, okay? And that because reality is just the bad stuff. Our strong feeling is that reality is bigger than that, that the good is absolutely just as real as the bad. And so in all of our pieces, we do. We always are clear that there's just as much good in the world. And it's our goal to lead people by their best selves, not to lead them by their anger, lead them by their sorrow, but lead them by their compassion and their desire to help. And you can lead people by different things. So the important thing to us is that your story is appealing to people's best selves. So yes, we tell the story of, you know, um, how it didn't go well. I often open with, this is going to turn out okay. I often open with, to look at him now, you'd never know what a rough start he had. Because way back then, and then you know that it's going to be okay. You can read this. But the important thing, as you do tell all of the sadness and the drama that happened uh, within the story, is that you make sure that your words, the moral of the story, that the emphasis of the story is causing people to want to be a part of this because you have appealed to the best part of them. The part of them that loves, the part of them that has compassion, the part of them that loves that the story turned out well at the end and wants more, and that you didn't lead them, which you can do, by aren't you mad? Haven't you had enough? Why don't you join us and get even madder? 
you appealed to their best selves and in doing so got them to join you with their best selves and maybe even made the world a better place by increasing people's compassion writing telling the stories it's so essential to what we do right in so many different formats adoption bios donation appeals newsletters um, social media your website you can't escape it uh, and you you use the word tedious earlier and i wonder for people who are listening to this who not only need to tell stories better but they need to actually tell them at all because they find it tedious what do you have to say to them if you don't like to write you've got to learn to you've got to learn to love your keyboard because as long as it's a chore to write it's going to be a chore to read now one thing that can be really helpful is get that typing speed up because typing should be faster than talking it should be that that's the fastest way to get an idea from my brain to the outside world. And when it is, when you've got your typing so natural and so fast that you can communicate that way much more easily than you can with your mouth, that takes away one of the tedious things to people, okay? Um, people who are still thinking about where the letters are on the keyboard, <laughs> it's a whole task in between the task. And I would eliminate that. I would say, get that type and speed up. It should be over a hundred. Get it so that you can just get those thoughts. Cause you know how thoughts are, they're sparks, right? And you grab one, but 15 others flew away before you grabbed one and said it, right? And you don't even remember what those were, but they were lighting up, they were there. Well, so on the keyboard, you should be able to get 10 times as many of them out as you could get if you were grabbing them to slowly say them. And if you can get to that place in your typing where it's completely natural, then you should love writing as much as you love hearing yourself talk. <laughs> it should be just as pleasurable as hearing yourself talk because it's even, it's even more efficient. It's even, you know, it gets right out there, but you, you need to love it. You need to, um, you need to have that sense. But, and one thing is not to get bogged down in the assignment. Like, let's say you've got something in front of you that looks very much like an assignment. Can you please write a this, that, or the other? Must include these bullet points, okay? And this looks like an assignment, okay? So how is this gonna have a spirit to it when you write it? How is this gonna be alive? How is this gonna move people? If you keep it as an assignment, then it's on your shoulders as you write. You're under your piece, not over your piece. So you're under your piece with these instructions on your shoulder. And it's going to, you know, you'll get it out. And I'm sure your grammars, you'll get the grammar together and it'll be fine. And people will see it and they'll say, oh, that was informative. But what you need to do is get on top of your piece. So you are the owner of this piece. You are the owner of the information. This is my piece. And when you get there, you can tell it any way you want. So I train writers at Best Friends. So one of the things I teach them to do is memorize what you need to put in there. I know that sounds tedious, but memorize it. Because once you've memorized it, it belongs to you. As long as it's on a Word document or in an email, it belongs to the person who sent it and you are conveying their information. Once you memorize it, that's your information. So you integrate in your brain, you look away from your computer, you get out of the task, you wake up, and now this information is in your head so you don't even need to look back at a piece of paper. You know what it is you need to say, you've memorized it, it belongs to you, 
And now you say it the way you know you need to say it to make somebody feel the way you want them to feel. And how do you know you're saying it in a way that makes them feel how you want to feel? Because you feel it. And you're being the other person as you write. You're not doing the, this is me and what I would like to convey to you. Did I get all of the bullet points? You're not doing that. You're doing, hello, this is what I'm going to convey to you. Feel this with me. Feel this with me. Okay. And that's the writer being on top of the assignment instead of under the assignment. This is a one-day-old kitten. Telling compelling stories kitten. of our life-saving work is, is important. Kitten. And this is 40 kittens. But we can also have fun while we do it. We need people to foster these really cute kittens in order to get them to their adoptable age of eight weeks old. Long gone are the days of just tossing a video up on YouTube and seeing 20,000 views within a day. Claudia Perone is the manager of creative content marketing at Best Friends. She's really good at coming up with ideas for content that tell stories. This is 40 reasons to foster a kitten. And those that but will grab attention. It, all you really need is one. Check out the Best Friends community. Spring is in the air. How do you cut through the clutter? I mean, we all have something in common here, which is the cutest content available. We're talking about cats and dogs. So you can't really go wrong from that perspective. Yes, we all have fundraising goals. Is it all a dream? And we have call to actions that we have got to pay attention to um, in order you know, to do the critical life-saving but you also need engagement. You also need to bring people in to view your content, to view your video content. And sometimes these cute, silly, wacky, zany videos are what pulls those eyeballs into your website, into your YouTube page, into your social media, and consider that more supporters. Once you bring more people into your fold, then you cultivate them. Pet Ponderings, enlightened haiku from our furry friend. A video clip that is 20 seconds long. I'll sit where I want. Could be that story. Your desk toys means squat to me. You want to have in fun, engaging content. Hashtag here a while. So don't feel like you have to write a novel when you can just write a, a short story or a haiku, maybe. Pet Ponderings. Enlightened haiku from our furry friends. Have you known hairballs? If I see something and it's made me laugh or it's made me smile and it has nothing to do with animals whatsoever, my first thought is, how do I do that thing but with kittens? And I think Hungry Kittens is a perfect example. Ooh, dinner time! Is that salmon? You know, that video is a clip that a volunteer took of her foster kittens eating. Well, then lick it up. And we put a voiceover on it so that kittens could literally talk to us. And it's just a hilarious, fun video. What can I say? I love salmon. You don't always have to have fancy video cameras. Hello there. I'm the love doctor, and I'm here you with You can grab your phone. Tip number six. Let your sweetheart know how excited you are to be reunited after a long day at work. You can you tap into your volunteers and the caregivers, your staff. But try to avoid knocking over the houseplant. Please, just trust me. Where are you putting this content? You're putting it on social media. You're putting it on YouTube. 
Greetings, the Love Doctor here with another tasty tip. We're not producing or doing film shoots for TV production. Never miss an opportunity to shower your sweetie with praise and treats. A big, plentiful shower of treats. When we put our ask out to our volunteer base for an urgent kitten foster call to action video, it was one of our existing volunteers who raised their hand to help with that video. Here we go. It turns out she owns her own production company. But had we not asked, we never would have known. In 2018, the big trend was <laughs> gender reveal parties. Wait, what? Hey. Again, not for me, but it's like, okay, how do you take this idea, but just do it for cats and kittens or dogs? And so we did it with kittens. And, you know, it turned into a great PSA. What is happening? Oh, did I not say? It's kitten season. And, you know, it was a kitten gender reveal party to the greatest extent of kitten gender reveal parties. You, you were born to be a cool foster auntie. You really just want to take the viewer on this journey. This is a journey with you and the viewer. Kittens are way cuter than babies. No offense. There is a level of just having fun and also some, you know, kind of risk taking, if you want to put it that way. Did we do a video with Justin Bieber and being a believer with dogs and hands? We may have done that. <laughs> yes, Claudia, we did do that. Now, these are all better seen than heard. You'll find links to all of the videos up on our website, bestfriends.org podcast. And finally today, storytelling of another kind, in another format, a book. Susan Russell worked as a shelter director in Chicago and Philadelphia, and is also an author. Well, this book, it's, it's actually a series, and it's for alorophiles of all ages. So, uh, and it doesn't, you don't have to be an alorophile, uh, a cat lover. You can be just a regular human being who loves a good story. What Lucy Noland and I wanted to do, that's my, my co-author, we really wanted to bring an awareness of what the potential is for a trap, neuter, and return. And we wanted to bring that to them through these wonderful, colorful characters. I've written a couple books, and this is one of my favorites because I just feel the characters are so rich. Fine, who's on the cover of this book, who's a male calico cat. And as we all know, male calico cats are pretty darn rare. So, so through the eyes of Klein, we start to understand the value of the trap, neuter, return mindset. I just gotta show you my favorite illustration, which is Archimedes when he's mourning his love who's left. She's not dead, but she's not around. Isn't that the most gorgeous picture you've ever seen? Katie Lacey, the artist who did the work in the book, who illustrated the whole book, she's a humane educator and a huge animal welfare advocate here in Philly and has saved numerous, numerous lives. I don't believe there is a children's series that actually has as a thematic concern trap, neuter, return, release, however you wish to say it. Um, and, and so we think this is kind of an interesting way to humanely educate, to, to provide humane education in a fun and, you know, and uh, whimsical way. We've tested it on a few kids, you know, got their views, you know, and the fact that our cats have cell phones. I mean, it, it's very real. Um, <laughs> 
We're hoping that the book series does something to enlighten for those who don't know what TNR is to help them understand it. I think storytelling is really the way to, um, I guess, get people to understand uh, the value of different ideas. And, and storytelling also enables people to get their heads around things. And if you fall in love with characters, maybe you'll fall in love with the ideas behind the characters. And that's, that's really what we hope will happen. A portion of the proceeds of the net profits of the book will go toward organizations that assist with TNR and communities. That's what I think I think writing can do is if it's told in an entertaining way, you can really bring people around to at least listening. But the bottom line is, you know, they, they are fascinating little beings. And, and I think the more we educate people about the unique nature of all animals, uh, but in this particular series, it's going to be about cats. Um, you know, I, I think we make for a more compassionate society, period. Right. I mean, that's what we all have to work toward. I'd like to thank the producers of the podcast, Tawny Hammond, Amy Charlton, and Mark Peralta, as we head into July 4th and, quite frankly, what looks to be a potentially rocky road ahead. Please take care of yourselves and each other and be safe. I'm John Dunn, and this is the Best Friends Podcast.